This is the Blaze Radio On Demand. You're listening to The Church Boys Free Fall Q&A. It's Billy Hollowell here with The Church Boys, and I have Landon Schott on the phone. How are you doing today? Awesome. Thanks for having me. So you decided that you were going to dive into this topic that nobody really cares about, this really boring topic that gets no attention at all um, anywhere in our society, homosexuality. Yeah, right. <laughs> As I'm being sarcastic. What? Okay, you have a new book out. It's called Gay Awareness. Take me into your mindset. What? I know this is your second book. What is it that made you say to yourself, I am going to step on this landmine? Because I love gay people, God loves gay people, and the church has done such a disastrous job dealing with the topic of homosexuality, and I just really felt just inspired by the Lord to get involved. I was really nervous about doing it, because obviously you create enemies from every side, and the religious people can't stand you, and and the gay activists and the gay-affirming people can't stand you. Uh, but what I found, Billy, is in the middle is people that are hurting and um, need, need answers, need freedom, need healing, need deliverance, and uh, those people are worth stepping on the landlines for. Uh, absolutely. And, you know, it's, look, it's a tough topic. And, you know, there's there seems to be, and this is just my opinion, so I'm going to throw my opinion out. There seems to be a situation in which you had churches, when they did address it and did talk about it, not always doing it in a loving way, and not just churches, but Christians themselves. Um, and, and you had a lot of gay people kind of living um, in secret and quiet, um, feeling oppressed. And then you had sort of a, you've had sort of this paradigm shift in culture. And it seems like there's a lot of Christians who don't really know what to do with it because it's created a situation where Christians are afraid now to be labeled, right? For having that same view they were able to have a little bit more openly before. And now the culture has shifted a little bit and, and you have a lot of, um, activism sort of on the other side pushing back. It just seems like a flip a little bit to me, which has been fascinating. Um, I don't know if you would agree with that paradigm. Absolutely. We have to deal with it like Jesus did with the woman caught in the act of adultery. So what did he do? He addressed her and her sin and where she was at. He never affirmed her sin. He never said it was okay, but he ministered to her right where she was at. And then he turned and dealt with the Pharisees and their mean, judgmental, harsh accusations against her, and he dealt with them. And where was Jesus? Right in the middle, grace, truth, and love. And that's where we, that's where true disciples of Jesus need to be, where we love these people, we care about these people, we want to see them come to Jesus, live Christ-centered lives, um, but at the same time, we're not affirming and condoning anything heterosexual or homosexual. So let's, and, and with that, I'm going to just throw the landmine question out to you, um, and I think we are living in a time where this is, uh, there's a lot of confusion. You know, a lot of people are saying, no, 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 the Bible doesn't say anything against homosexuality, and but the traditional stance has always been that it absolutely does say quite a bit about homosexuality. Um, so let me just throw it out to you: What does the Bible really say about homosexuality? Uh, well, c- clearly, three main scriptures in the Old Testament, three main in the New Testament, and I love people say, "Well, there's only six, you know, that even talk about it," and, and that is true, and it's misleading. Um, but I say this: when when God only gave us one commandment in the beginning of Genesis. Adam and Eve, don't touch the tree, they broke that one. And so true dedicated Christ followers um, should should obey one commandment, let alone 
these six clear scriptures. So we have we have the three in the Old Testament um, that are completely clear. We have the one in Genesis 19, which was the sin of Sodom and Gomorrah. We have uh, the following in Leviticus 18 and Leviticus 20 that talks about the abomination and the law. So those are the three in the Old Testament. The New Testament, we have Romans 1, where Paul gives a clear outline of, of um, the rejection of same-sex sexual behaviors. Then we have 1 Corinthians 6, 9 through 11, where it lists uh, a barrage of sins, including homosexuality or homosexual practice of this behavior, they will enter the kingdom of God. And then you got 1 Timothy um, 1, 7, which again talks about um, the sin of homosexuality. More than anything else, what's important is what the Bible doesn't say. And there's not one scripture where the Bible endorses the behavior, endorses the relationships, or promote it. And what I tell people, if you want, out of 31,000 scriptures, not one promotes it. So if you want a scripture that promotes it, you have to close your Bible and open the Satanic Bible. Because it just doesn't, it doesn't exist. Now, and that doesn't count, and what I find sort of interesting about the debate, all of the references and all of the pointing to of two different kinds, of a man and a woman, of Jesus talking about leaving you know, men leaving their families, going to be with their wives. I mean, those, to me, it's interesting. They seem to be corroborating what we're talking about here. You know, they're not just saying two people or, you know, a man and a man. Or So, you know, I guess people can debate about whether or not they agree with the Bible, but I've always been fascinated by the d- debate over what the Bible says, because it does seem kind of clear to me, at least. Yeah, and what, it, it, it's, it's crystal clear. In, in every instruction from Jesus, what was, you know, people say, well, Jesus never mentioned homosexuality. Exactly. If that was part of his plan and purpose and destiny for your life, he would have said, you know, when you talked about marriage and the people that are attracted to the same sex, you guys can have the same thing. But he didn't do that. He he um, he, he went back to Genesis 2, quoted the Old Testament in original creation. When Paul was talking about husbands and wives, wives and husbands, he was talking to a man and a woman. So the Bible is so clear. When I said you have to close your Bible and open your Satanic Bible, what I was saying is there you will find scripture after scripture that supports homosexual practice in, in lifestyles. Okay, so another loaded question for you. Did God make people gay? Uh, there's no scripture, and in, in, in this isn't a book of opinions. I don't have opinions, really. Um, I just go back to God's Word, because as Christians, it's got to be the lamp into our feet and light to our path. It's got to be what we base our life off of. And so there's no scripture ever that says he made people gay. This was his plan, his purpose, his destiny for our lives. He made men, he made women, he knew the beginning to the end. And I believe that the enemy, I believe Satan, which no one ever talks about, he knows he knows God's plans for our life. John 10.10 10 says he comes to kill, steal, and destroy. And I believe the enemy doesn't care if you're in heterosexual sin or homosexual <laughs> sin. He just wants you bound in sin and not fulfilling the plan of God for your life. So, you, you again, you felt the need to dive into this. It's a tough topic. I think ever since June with, with the Supreme Court uh, decision, we've seen an intensified debate over religious liberty and Christians not being really sure where they stand, some Christians endorsing gay marriage, others doubling down but remaining quiet because they're afraid. How should Christians engage this topic considering the cultural change, particularly in the last 10 months? Um, yeah, and, and I want to address these mistakes that the Church is making, but I, here's what I say. We have to be unrelenting with our love for people while remaining unwavering in our biblical loyalty. 
Okay, so we can't say we love people at the cost of disobeying and not loving Jesus. Jesus says, if you love me, you will obey me. That's his definition of love, not feelings, okay? So we can't say we love people, but that we encourage what Jesus in the Bible says is sinful behavior. So so we have to, we have to be wise in our responses. So... But at the same time, we can't be jerks to people. We can't be mean to people. We can't be hateful to people. We have to show everyone the love of God. And when people, you know, say, you know, how do I deal with the homosexual at work? How do I deal with the homosexual relative? You deal with it like anything else. Like like your heterosexual friends that are sleeping together or living together or, or you know, all, all the different, you know, elements or, or layers of, of sexual sin or sin that we, we face in life. We still engage people. We're still kind to people. So there's there's two things going on. Is it's telling the church, hey, it's okay to love everyone, but then let's not affirm what the Bible doesn't affirm. Let's not start calling things okay. And we can't say God made this way. It's a blessing when there's no scripture that supports that statement. Um. What do you think happens if the church remains quiet and doesn't speak out on this topic and doesn't engage on this topic? We're seeing what happens. What, what, what's happening? It, it, it went from voted down over and over <laughs> and over to now it's, it's, it's law of the land, you know? And, and so some Christians just throw their hands up, well, abortion's legal, gay marriage is legal, you know, what, what do we do now? You know, and just because something's legal in America doesn't mean it's lawful in the kingdom of God. And so I'm not after trying to change the laws, Billy. That's not what I'm trying to do. I'm trying to change hearts. And so if if I can get a hold of people's hearts, if I can show them the love of God, if they can fall in love with Jesus, turn from all their sins, follow after Jesus, that's what I'm doing. So if it's from a little girl that that wants to get abortion, I'm not picketing abortion clinic. I'm I'm not wasting my time doing that. What I want to do is go after the young people that are in that lifestyle. I want to go after young people that are struggling and hurting, and, and, and I want Jesus to be made famous in their life. I don't care if it's one at a time or dozens at a time, thousands at a time. You know, and, and if all of us Christians start being Christians all the time, not just parking in, in a parking lot of a church on Sunday, but living godly lives, I think we're going to see a dramatic change in our society. What do you think is the cause of, I mean, this is like the never-ending debate, the cause of homosexuality. What, what have you landed on? If, if there it was one cause, then it could be debunked. If there was one thing, I, I, you know, again, I don't think the enemy cares if you're a heterosexual or a homosexual. The Bible says don't give the enemy a foothold. You know, some people, they're close friends of mine, have said, Landon, I've struggled with this since my earliest memories. And biblically speaking, there's not an age range that the enemy starts attacking you. You know, he attacked Jesus' generation when their baby's coming out of the womb. That's what he does with abortion. Same thing in Moses' generation. So... You know, I, I don't think the enemy starts attacking you at 20 years old or 10 years old or 2 years old. And so, you know, I do believe from people's earliest memories that they can have these attractions and feelings. So it's not about when did you become a heterosexual or when did you become a homosexual. It's when did you become a Christ follower. Because the Bible says in John 3, it doesn't matter how we were born, we must be born again. And so I'm not trying to run down every every route because it's different with every people, you know, um, from from all sorts of things they've encountered, sexual abuse, you know, um, relationships that have been that have been estranged. 
But I know some people said I've never been abused. I've never, you know, I've had great relationships with my all my parents, but I've always had this attraction. And so, you know, you've got a group of people that says, hey, they're, they're born this way. There's a gay gene. A group of scientists that says there's no gay gene. There's no proof. There's no, so there's, there, there, there's just people yelling back and forth. But what we know as Christians is there's a sin gene, and we're all born of sin. And no matter what your temptation is, you don't get to choose what you're tempted with, but you get to choose how you respond to temptation. What is the key thing you want people to think, feel, and do after they uh, read your book? You know, if, when you read Gay Awareness book, there's over 400 scriptures that paint the picture of the heart of the Father and the mind of Christ. And I want people to come to a decision, and the decision is to love God first and to love people second. To love God, that's the greatest commandment, love them with all your heart. The Great Commission is what? Go win the lost, teaching them to obey. And if we're going to be Christians, I'm not talking about that's what we put on our Facebook profile, you know, and then go live however we want. But if we're going to be real Christians, then it means this, that we lay down our lives and we follow Jesus. And that's what Gay Awareness Book will do. It, it will show you through Scripture, this is what a Christ follower is and does. And we have to love God first and love people second. Well, listen, this this has been... Um... This has been really interesting. I guess one of the other things I would ask you is what would you say if you had a Westboro Baptist Church protester in front of you right now, a member of that church, what would you say to them about this topic? List me the names of people that you've led to the Lord and they're producing what Jesus called fruit that remains. Show me the fruit of your ministry. Show me the fruit of your signs. Show me the fruit of your actions because I'll show you mine. I'll show you the lives that have been changed through engaging people and loving people. And so that's what I ask. Where's your fruit? <laughs> that's a good, no, it's a great, it's a great question. And I think, you know, m- most, obviously most churches have never been that extreme on it, m- but a lot of churches just have not handled it well. And, and now, you know, I guess improper handling in some ways has probably helped facilitate some of where this discussion is right now. And, you know, the debates, the battles over businesses and what they can and can't do and, and all of that, it, it's it's all very bizarre and interesting, but you know you do think back. What if churches had handled this a little bit differently? Would they? Would this be unfolding differently than it is right now? And I, I've often wondered that. Absolutely. And again, we we got to be Christians. We have to uh, not be afraid of sin. We're all we're all. All have sin, all fall short of the glory of God, and and our message must be grace and truth to show the love of God. Well, listen, this has been great, and I really appreciate you taking the time today to talk with me. Billy, thanks so much for having me.